As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast, playoff edition, Blue Jackets Bruins game three tonight from Nationwide Arena. That's going to be a serious, serious scene uh, in that building tonight. Hello, Aaron Portsign here, joined by Allison Lucan. Hello. And Tom Reed. Hi. We will be joined later in the program by Joe McDonald from the Athletic Boston to talk all things Bruins. Uh, but much to get to uh, before then. Blue Jackets with a pretty impressive three-two over double overtime win in Boston on Saturday to pull even in this series. They come home tonight for Game Three, all squared one-one. Uh, Matt Duchesne, the game winner. Uh, Artemi Panarin, two goals before that, including the. Just a nasty two-to-two goal and a really physical series. I feel like it's kind of evened out, and I, I think the feeling out process is is perhaps over now. Uh, we'll see what the first period looks like tonight in Columbus. I suspect the Blue Jackets could be flying high again. Uh, who knows how long it'll take them to sort of settle into the game, uh, but this is part of the fun of, of playoff hockey. Um, Allison, Tom, you were both at the rink yesterday. Uh, some newsy bits. Marcus Nunavera skated. A couple of forwards did not, though. Tell us about that. How soon do you think Nunavera might be back in the fold? Is it starting to look that way? And why were the forwards who who of the forwards were missing, and why were they missing? Allison, you want that one? Uh, sure. Uh, as for Nudie, I mean, you you've talked to him more than we have, Aaron, even in Boston, and I. It, 
I don't know how close he is. We did not uh, speak with him after practice yesterday, but you have to imagine maybe game four, maybe, Um, because he's got to get his legs back, obviously, particularly for a series like this. And he has to be, in my opinion, obviously 100% again to enter, particularly a series like this. Um, Riley Nash and Josh Anderson were absent yesterday. Um, Tort said maintenance, but as we all know, we're not going to get a ton this time of year. Um, surely Riley Nash earned a day off after that hit <laughs> that he yeah. took um, in game two. I don't recall anything um, occurring to Josh in game two. I don't know if you guys do, but um, this time of year, this series again in particular, I think we're going to see a lot of maintenance days um, and, and maybe not cause for concern until a guy misses a, a game day morning skate. Yeah, and Josh Anderson, of course, has thrown his body around with with reckless disregard uh, so far in these playoffs, and frankly, checked himself early in the game to as much as he checked <laughs> anyone else. He was running into the wall a lot, going for huge hits and um, and swinging and missing. Uh, Tom, we, we've we've talked about this. I think it probably deserves more light than it's gotten. This team, Nudavar has been out for a while. That that that's a, a blow to them, but it's especially a blow because Ryan Murray and Adam McQuaid have been out uh, for quite a while now. This team has progressed now six games deep into the playoffs, and they're five and one with their seventh, eighth, and ninth defensemen playing in no particular order. That's Scott Harrington, Dean Kukan, and Adam Clendenning. This is this is pretty damn impressive, is it not? Yes, it is because you expect. There's times that you think you can get by with one or two of those guys, but but three guys for this many games. I think uh, I think uh, Clendenning came in in what game three of the series uh, against Tampa. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't really noticed a lot of moments. Actually, in game three of that series, he had a couple of moments, but since then, I haven't noticed moments like, oh my goodness, they got to get him off the ice right now. Uh, they have been in many ways not noticeable, like as you, like offensive linemen, and that's a good thing. Uh, it's not like they've they've no 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 Kukin we've seen already, and he's he has jumped into play, so he's been noticeable. But 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 that's good. I mean that's that's the kind of the way he plays. But the the other guys have to me have been really good, and and Harrington's been there all season in some ways. But I do think it's a nice story with all three of these guys because they have, in their own kind of way, uh, you know, you just you never give up. You never give up on your dream. Harrington wasn't a full-time NHL player. This is by far the most he's played. Clendenning, all those bus rides of his career, is is now finally got his first chance to play in the playoffs this year. And, and Kukin, I mean, undrafted player who's come up through the ranks and is playing really well. At an important time, uh, yeah, it, it does speak to the organizational's depth, and uh, they've done a really nice job. Uh, Clendenning has played; he played fourteen forty in the last game. That's the most he's played, of course, double overtime. Um, so the limits, ha- the minutes have been limited. But uh, to your point, I have, I there have not been too many instances where actually there haven't been any since you mentioned in Game Three. There were a couple of shaky moments early. After that, I've never looked down in the ice and said, "My God." Clendenning is, is totally out of his element, and they've got to be really careful with how they use him. Allison, do you have the same feelings when you look at this? This is a guy, Clendenning, that's bounced around 
and has been regarded as a guy that can put up points in the minor leagues, but is not a defending NHL defenseman. I think he's been okay. Allison? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I, in fact, I, I would go so far as to say there have been, and maybe I'm grading on a curve, but there have been moments that I have noticed him yep. and say, oh, good, good job there. You know, good play, smart play. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's, these are the times we have to be careful. He's looking really good in the numbers, but to your point, um, he's playing very carefully selected minutes um, sure. and very limited minutes, but full marks to those guys because um, in, in this situation, round one, round two, what have you, um, I, I think all three have really stepped up and, and in no way been a liability. Yeah, and, and to, to add one more point to this, but the, them being able to play as they have, even in limited minutes, that takes a few more minutes off Zach Wierenski and and Seth Jones, who are playing enough minutes to begin with, right? But any little t- any little stretch where you can get those guys on the ice, Harrington and Clendenning, and, and not have to pay for it, is buying time uh, for your top three or four defensemen. So. Uh, that's that's another added benefit to them being able to show their show themselves as 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 really competent uh, playoff defensemen. The really big help here, of course, has been Kukan's ability to play with Savard on the second pair, because um, that that's you, you can hide one pair kind of. I mean, I think that even that's hard in the playoffs. You can't hide you can't hide two pairs, and for for. Kukan to be able to play with Savard. I think he was up over 25 minutes in the last game, which was probably a career high for him. Um, that that to me has been the really uh, one of those real rise to the occasion type moments because boy, it could have been disastrous if they didn't. If if those guys are all a little overwhelmed by the situation, oh boy, like that's a that's a tough one. Um, and, and really, you could say that's a big part of them being able to pull away from Tampa because those games got more difficult as the series went on, and those guys did not shy away or melt. Uh, Alexander Texier, the 19-year-old rookie from France, uh, it had been smooth sailing uh, through five playoff games, and he's into his sixth and commits a, oh, God, turnover uh, in the third period. Tries to, <laughs> tries to zip the puck across to Seth Jones, gets about 20% of the puck, and instead just sends a nice little soft cloud pass right into the slot. Uh, Jake DeBrusk, uh gets the puck, dumps to Pasternak. Bob makes a, a, a difficult save look easy, uh, but we don't see young Mr. Texier uh, after that. He was back for l- regular line rushes yesterday, y- you guys have said. Where do you think this goes with Tortorella? Not that he's talking lineup choices, but our lineup decisions at this round. Uh, perhaps that'll be back next round. Uh, but do you think Texier goes right back in tomorrow night with the or tonight? Sorry, with the fresh chance. Tom, I do. Yeah, I do. I I, I don't I don't think Tortorella. I, I does he doesn't strike me as that type of coach, and he, he's he's liked this kid so much, and he's played him through just about everything, because that to me tells you one mistake and you're out. They won the game uh, it, it, as bad as it was, and, and you described it pretty well. They did get away with it, uh, and I'm sure there was more to it, right? Uh, there, there, there were probably some moments in that game when we look back at it, and Al, I don't know if the, the numbers, Allison might be able to give us a better indication on this, if there were some underlying numbers that did not go his way or it was just the kind of couple of mistakes that we saw uh, that got him to the bench, but that's okay. Young guys, you know, 
young guys make mistakes. It's the playoffs. And Torts, uh, we've seen this a couple times in the playoffs. We talked about Clendenning in that third period uh, in, in, in the his first game in the lineup in game three. Had a couple moments where he got caught on the ice for a long time, and that was the end of it. And they were right back with Clendenning the next game. I'm, although there I'm not sure if they had a ton of options, but... Still, no, I might, I might buy think, thinking is Texier will be right back in the lineup. Uh, Allison, thoughts on young Mr. Texier? Yeah, I, I think Tom pretty much covered it. I mean, Texier did not have a great game last game. But, you know, it, it, the, the other thing we have to imagine here, too, is this is a kid who is producing or has been producing offensively. Um, even in the postseason, and and it's all about as, as you just said options, and and what does he, what does Tortorella and the rest of the coaching staff think they have on the bench that might be better, and and particularly with the way this team is playing, um, there's a version of this story where I see the the scale tipping in Tessier's favor just because he has been putting points on the board. Yeah, he didn't have a shot on goal in this series. Well, there you go. Uh, right, so maybe that's. I, maybe this has been a little rich for him. Maybe playing at home will be, will be better. Um, and back to the defenseman quickly. I think they've been looking for a way to get Vladislav Gavrikov into the lineup. I think these guys, the bottom three guys we talked about have all played well enough to really keep that decision at bay. Like, I don't think they want to bust it up right now. Certainly if new comes back, he goes in. Um, but I, I don't, I think out of respect for these guys and the way they've played, they've held off on that. So uh, we shall see. Um, Tom, you wrote a really interesting piece today, along with Joe McDonald, who will join us uh, shortly, just about what these teams go through when it gets to overtime. And I think that in in those buildings, and if you're watching at home, that's sort of the first thought when it gets into first overtime. Second overtime is how are these players taking care of themselves uh, behind the scene? And it's changed over the years. Uh, from raiding convenience store shelves to to ordering pizzas to now having protein shakes and gluten free stuff uh, in the room for players, tell us what you found, uh, Tom, in your reporting with Joe McDonald over the last couple of days. Yeah, Joe was great. Sent some sent some really good stuff over from some NHL trainers, and and I really actually I really loved. And you wrote a nice story yesterday on Sean Corrali. About it just wants to get something in his body and just stay dry, get some dry shit on. I mean, there's so much that goes on with these guys, and it, and I think it really it's a credit to uh, the staffs that run these things as uh, as far as uh, like Nelson Iout and Kevin Collins, as far as trying to get more healthy stuff into their body. I think more than anything, it's staying hydrated. Right? That's you know, if you grab a, a, a quick bite here or there, that's one thing. But I guess Collins is in the locker room just saying, you know, keep drinking, keep drinking, keep drinking, because it is amazing how much weight these guys lose. Uh, some of these guys lose four to eight pounds a game. I think uh, uh, Allison, Zach was telling you he loses about five pounds a game. Yep, yep. That, yeah, I mean, and of course it depends on the guy. But the one that freaked me out more than anything was, it was Matthew Shane who says he doesn't lose weight. This guy drinks so much water. He drinks two and a half liters of water from the time that he walks into a building until face-off. And really, he stops drinking before warm-ups that he just doesn't lose any water weight. He's constantly hydrating himself. And teams worry about having cramps and stuff like that. So they're, they're, they do the, the food that they eat is very, very nutritious. 
It's not like the old days where guys were just stuffing their face with pizza. Now, having said that, the Blue Jackets really haven't had one of those great, like, three, four overtime games yet, right? Uh, they have, like, like, God, go down to Denali, go across the street to Boxes and Pizza. All right, enough, we're calling it the, Let's go. Just, let's get a couple of pies going here. Yeah. So we'll see what happens when 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 that day comes. But for the most part, it's it's funny. It's just that's the way the NHL is now, right? It's all protein shakes and right. and really bad stuff that I would never eat. Yeah, I, I I mean this is terrible. But my follow up question to Duchesne: If you drink two and a half liters of water, <laughs> I mean seriously, like. <laughs> well, I they do know. have they do have media timeouts, Aaron, during games. Yeah, no, but the, the players, it's not like they run back behind the bench either. <laughs> Duchesne to the room. Duchesne to the room. That's no injury. Exactly. Uh, Allison, you know about these kind of things. How how surprised, or if at all, by any of the stuff that Tom and, and Joe threw out there were you? I mean, I think it's more just a really interesting story because it's, I mean, it's so individualized these days, which is what struck me, particularly even more so than the hydration side, the the energy source side, because what you need is you need quick access to easy to digest and and process carbs, right? You need fuel for your body. So it's funny because, you know, we joke about the pizza, but in reality, it's it's not the worst thing in the world because you're getting some good carbs in there straight away. And what they're going to are just resources that just get carbs right into you. And I think what helps these guys is they're not necessarily going for straight sugar um, as an energy source. They're going to the more advanced stuff. But even while I was talking to Zach, Kevin Collins walked by and and gave him a bottle with one of the things that he likes to have in it. And that's, I mean, that's, that is the place that we're in right now is that these, these guys' bodies are just high powered machines and they have to keep them fueled and, and they fine tuned their machine to the exact kind of fuel and the exact kind of energy source that they need. And they know exactly when, and it's, it's impressive as hell to me, honestly. I think I, I was surprised that the one thing I'll interrupt just a second, that Duchesne is so proud that he brought these uh, stinger yeah. waffle wafers to the team. The boys are loving them. <laughs> <laughs> and of course they're stinger. Right. Yeah. Oh. Um, they also try, and I, I know uh, the, the support staff tries to do this as well, they try to have a local flair with things. Uh, and this this amused me greatly for some reason. In between game one and two, they had the off-day practice. They shipped in lobster rolls for players. Ooh. So there were like, I don't know, 50 lobster rolls, which is a New England uh, delicacy, of course. Uh, let's bring another New England delicacy in. Uh, oh, Joey. So wow. Did, did, Thank you. Do we Joey get, is going to join us here. Do we get lobster rolls, Aaron? I, I'm feeling a little uh, inconsistencies here. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had a lobster roll. <sighs> mm. All right. We'll get Joey on now. Joe, welcome aboard. Good to be here, boys and girls. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to Columbus. Uh, you know about the cannon, just a heads up. <laughs> I love um, The Bruins did some tweaking yesterday with their lines who who knows if these stick i know torts is doing all sorts of weird stuff in the warm-ups just to throw off the bruins which i don't think it is at all uh but where are the bruins going and what what might we see in game three tonight in nationwide yeah it was interesting uh during practice on uh on monday right what the heck what's today today's tuesday right yeah monday (laughs) back in boston uh he had david posh and i playing on the third line 
with uh, Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson, and he had Denton Heinen up with Marshan and Bergeron, uh, which is interesting. And then he had uh, rookie Carson Kuhlman with David Krejci and Jake DeBrusque. I would be shocked if he actually went with those lines, uh, at least to start game three. Uh, but Butch Cassidy actually gave uh, an interesting description or answer when asked about it. You know, he said, look, they haven't – we put Pasternak with Coyle and Johansson in game two, and if we decide to go back with that, at least they get some practice time together. Um, so I think that was just the reasoning for that line of practice. But, look, I mean, David Pasternak, you know, he's got to get going for the Bruins. I mean, he's been, you know, it's been radio silence from basically the entire uh, postseason here. And, you know, he was one of their, their better players for basically the entire season. And then all of a sudden when they need him the most, you know, he's not producing. So they got to get him going. And maybe that was just, you know, a wake-up call for him to say, look, if you're not going to do it, then we're going to put you on the third line. So, uh, but – I think at least to start game three, I think we're going to see Parsonov with David Krejci. But who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. Now, I mean, it seems to me like Bergeron and Marchand are still getting a ton of chances. Is, yeah, is, is that right for Pasternak? Is, is even that part right up for, for Pasternak, or is, is, is it the same for him? The one thing that we know about Cassidy is that instead of looking at lines as a as a trio he likes to put peers together and then throw a player that complements those those other two and obviously Bergeron and Marchand that's the peer and yeah. throughout the season throughout this season and past seasons he's always put someone else over there but Pasternak's been the mainstay and the way that those three work it's unbelievable to see how they move the puck when they're going and I mean that's why they were one of the best lines in the NHL this season. Sure. Uh, but as far as those two, I mean, they are getting their looks. Uh, everyone knows that Bergeron's office is, is right there in, in the slot, you know, in the bumper position, and, and they try to get him the puck there. And Toronto did a really good job of they actually triple-teamed him in that, in that area, and, and he was still getting looks. Uh, Columbus, in, in the first two games, they had two guys on him in, in, that, in that spot, and – they did a really good job of, uh, of limiting his chances. But when you talk about Bergeron and Marchand, I mean, they're just so talented that eventually they're going to get uh, quality chances. Now it's just a matter of finishing, and that's what the Bruins need right now. Yeah, Allison. Joe, I was wondering what your thoughts were on the Jackets' power play versus the Bruins' penalty kill. You know, the Bruins shut them down well in Game 1. And then the Jackets kind of returned to full strength in, in game two, and Fluto did that really nice piece on kind of getting stretched out. But are you seeing tendencies from either team that are, that are leading to that special teams war? It's great when you, when you look at it, Allison, because, uh, and even Bruce Cassidy had mentioned it, that you know, you're going against you know, one of the, the best uh, penalty-killing units in the league with the Blue Jackets. And when you look at the Bruins' power play, the top unit at least – is, is pretty damn good, but the issue is is that they're just out of sync right now. I mean, you know, Cassidy mentioned it after game two, and even at practice uh, on Monday, you know, they were just, they were all over the place. You know, it, it's like, even during practice, it's like they can't even, can't even get together, you know, at that point. Um, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta give a stick tap to 
the PK for the Blue Jackets because, you know, it's it's really good. You know, and everybody's wondering, you know, back in Boston, like, hey, what's going on with the Bruins power play? Well, you know, you're going to give credit where credit is due. And the Blue Jackets obviously have a really good PK, and they're doing a great job of shutting down, especially that top unit. And that's where I think the Bruins' second unit – uh, really needs to come into play here. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit uh, if they do get a power play or when they get a power play in game three is if Cassidy actually starts with the second unit um, first um, just to try to get get some production out of that. Because as we all know, we, I think we talked about it last week, was you know this could come down to special teams, who wins the series. So if the Bruins want to advance, they got to figure out a way to get past Columbus's uh, PK, no doubt. Do do you see anything the reverse, Joe, of of the Jackets' power play versus the Bruins' PK? The one thing about the Bruins' PK, Allison, is that it's it's pretty solid, and you know you're, you're putting guys out there like uh, you know Sean Corrali, Noel Chari uh, up top, and those guys just have the ability to shut down any power play, and they've done it the entire season. I mean, these guys, you know, like any good penalty killer this time of year. I mean, they're sacrificing their bodies. You know, they, they're going down to block shots. They, you know, they're getting the puck deep and, and trying to get on, you know, a, a solid four check, you know, one man four check just to kind of keep the puck down the other end. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it, Boston's PK is, you know, Cassidy has uh, the faith, you know, to, to put them out against any unit. So, um, I, I really believe that, you know, when this thing goes to game seven, and I think it's going to go seven games, that it is. It's going to come down to, you know, special teams and, and which team uh, is able to have success with both units. Um, but, you know, as of right now, Boston's penalty killer, there are no issues there whatsoever. Tommy? You know, you obviously you watch you watch the Bruins every night. Uh one of the things I thought that the, the Bruins and, 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 and it led to one of the Blue Jackets goals were a little loose with the puck the other night. Uh, the, the, they had a huge turnover that led to the, I can't remember which Panarin goal, the top shelf goal. Uh, was that just, you just put that down to a kind of a night just to, it's one of those games. Every, every team's going to have one of those games where they're turning the puck over a lot because it seemed to happen, uh, especially the first half of the game with some frequency with just turning the puck over in their own end. Yeah, Tom, it was, uh, those turnovers were obviously a, a cause for concern uh, for the Bruins and, and that's unlike them. Uh, you know, their, yeah. their breakout is, is pretty solid. I mean, they're, it usually runs pretty smooth. You know, they, their idea is to make that one pass to, to get it out of their own ends, you know, get through the neutral zone and get the puck deep. Um, it, or if they don't, if they're feeling some pressure, then just to flip it out into the neutral zone and, and go get it. And they're really good at retrieving pucks uh, to a man. But the turnovers that they had, uh, that they've been having, not only in the first two games of this series, but, you know, against Toronto as well, it's it's kind of, you know, that's not the Bruins. You know, it, it was, you know, definitely a cause for concern for Bruce Cassidy. And, uh, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Zidane Charlie, you know, turning over the puck. You know, Charlie Coyle with – you know, it, it's been unbelievable to see Charlie Coyle play as well as he has, but then all of a sudden he turns the puck over, and, and twice in the series his turnovers led to goals. Um, right. So, you know, he knows that he has to be better with, you know, puck management. And, you know, I even I tweeted it out at, you know, during game two is that, you know, the, the Bruins' puck management right now is just terrible. It's awful. 
uh, and they pride themselves on puck possession and and controlling the play. And when they're turning the puck over, as you mentioned, you know it it's not good, and they're definitely going to have to clean up that area because, especially here in Columbus, um, you know, with this kind of environment, you know, they're turning the puck over. This place is going to go nuts, especially if the Blue Jackets get quality chances out of it. So uh, that's definitely one area that the Bruins need to clean up. Joe, did you? Uh, this stood out to me in the in the first period, especially in Game Two, that I thought the uh, both teams were trying to absolutely um, bludgeon the other their <laughs> opponents for sure. I felt like Boston played more within their system early in the game, and Columbus was going way out of the way for home run hits. And I felt like they settled down a little bit in the, the second and the third period. But it feels like there's been a physical toll exacted on on both of these teams, but have you noticed the, the Bruins starting to, to look run down in that double overtime? I, I feel like they almost needed the back-to-back days between games this time. Yeah. The back-to-back days, uh, obviously will, will help both teams, but you know, certainly from a Bruins perspective in, in that double overtime game, you actually saw guys, you know, kind of laying off the hits a little bit, you know, I mean, obviously at that point, these guys are, these guys are exhausted, right? And, yeah. you know, and playing with that physicality, you know, really does a number on these guys. And so I think part of both game plans for both Cassidy and Tortorella is, look, we need a strong start. You need to go out. You need to play physical. Uh, you need to set that tone early and then settle in. And I think the Blue Jackets have done a, a very good job of doing that. Um, and then the Bruins, you know, they – they get that start, and that's why Cassidy normally starts that uh, that fourth line of Crowley, Achari, and, and Nordstrom, uh, just to kind of set that tone. Uh, but without a doubt, I can't see these two teams, and obviously one will advance, uh, I can't see them keeping this physicality up at this pace because come the end of the series, I mean, these guys are just going to be totally worn down and, and it and it could affect the outcome of the series. So I think moving forward here is that they're looking for that quick start. I think, you know, get that physicality going, set that tone and then maybe settle in. And I think you're probably going to see a lot more of that, uh, especially here in Columbus. Yeah, I think the first period and that's going to be going to be a gone show. <laughs> yeah, just- no doubt. Just because it's going to be, you know, this has never happened in Columbus before. Like, a game like this has never been staged here, which is really something. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. We'll see you over there at the rink this morning. All right, guys. Thanks. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Aaron Portsline, Allison Lucan, Tom Reed, I'll say thanks uh, for reading, watching, listening, all that good stuff. We'll be back with you in a couple of days uh, prior to game four. So, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you all soon.